you so much for listening to Kid You Not, the podcast on children's books. What they mean. And how they're created, edited, marketed and sold. I'm Lauren Davis. And I'm Clementine Bove. This podcast is available on iTunes. So please subscribe. It's also available on kidyounotpodcast.com. Where you will find lots of extra material, reviews, blog posts, links, etc. We hope you enjoyed today's episode on what is a bit of a controversial theme. Quality and trash in children's books. The concept of quality children's books and trashy children's books is something that gets a lot of people quite worked up. So how can we assess the quality of a children's book? What do our criteria for literary quality say about us? And from your point of view, Lauren, the point of view of a publisher, are these labels even helpful? That's what we'll be discussing today. To start with, Lauren, um, I've actually interviewed a young and dynamic primary school teacher that we know about the subject um, because it is truly a sensitive subject and it seemed unfair to exclude children and teachers from it because they consume so many children's books and I wanted to have his opinion about where quality and trash in children's literature. So I'm going to take you through what he said and I'd like to get your opinion on it and then I'll give you mine and, and that is how we'll organise our debate today. Tom says that the way of assessing children's books and the quality of children's books is really quite utilitarian for a teacher. That is to say, this is what he says, we have to think what we're trying to achieve with a text. Sometimes we're working on the skill of decoding and sometimes we want to develop their inference and understanding of the children. Choosing books which meet these criteria is part of the challenge for us as teachers. And also part of the challenge for publishers, I'd venture to say, as a lot of the time publishers really have to pay attention to what teachers will want from a text because on the crude side we want a lot of people to buy them and if we know that this book will have a guaranteed readership of teachers then we you know it's good for our sales figures but also we want to produce things that are useful for teachers that they will find helpful in educating children so from that angle it's all about a pragmatic sense of what is going to sell and to what purpose that's what you're saying from a publishing point of view you're going to think okay i'm going to be very utilitarian in that is this book going to appeal to to teachers they choose what children read they choose what books they want the class to buy and by doing this on they also influencing even these labels of quality and trash Yes, and that can have good and bad effects, I suppose. That me that just means that there's a lot of books that some children will never ever be exposed to or read because they haven't been given the chance to read them. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people often forget that people like and enjoy trashy books. It's not a case that oh they aren't very good, I don't understand like why they are made. Because they sell, they sell really well and often it's the sales of books that are thought of as inferior to more literary texts, their sales actually support the production of more literary texts because on the whole literary texts don't sell as well. It's a little bit different in the children's book world because we have a lot of book awards that really enhance circulation because parents really want to give their children good things to read that will open their minds. But it's different to the adult market in that adult literary texts only have a really select readership. But um, so I think that's 
a very important argument, isn't it? That the tr- what we call trashy, and for the moment, it seems like we've sort of identified trash as being what sells very well. And I think we'll have to refine this definition because it's not necessarily true. But what sells really well, and we're, let's give com- concrete examples. Pony stories. Fairy stories. Ballerina stories. Oh, of course, at the moment. Vampires. Zombies. Princesses. Uh, football stories for boys. Yeah. Monster. Or was that in our days? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think horror stories sell that well anymore. I don't know, but best. okay, we're children of the, 90, of the 1990s, so goosebumps. Bumps, yeah. By by definition, goosebumps would be this type of commercial novels that I we're had talking all about. The Absolutely, I, I did too. So all these books that are extremely popular, um, they support the more literary fiction that that once again we're going to have to define, but that will um, appeal to probably the teachers, the librarians, the parents, and the literary critics more because they are perhaps more demanding, perhaps more challenging, and this is the sort of balance that publishers seem to strike between what really sells and what is going to earn them awards and make them prestigious. I would have thought you find trash less valuable as... Well, no, because from a utilitarian perspective still, from for, for a literary critic, uh, trash is actually interesting. It, it doesn't mean we like writing about it, but it's true that trash is interesting because like any piece of popular culture, it says something about who we are and what is valued or not valued in our society. So the kind of attitudes to love and sex and life and death that are inscribed within what could be seen as trashy literature. And for example, I mean, I'm going to give a concrete example here. Vampire stories, Twilight. It could be considered trash. But the the truth is, it says things about our culture. It says things about our attitudes to romance, um, what we value. It is an important phenomenon. And because it is an important phenomenon, because it appeals to so many people, we want to know why. And from that point of view, trash and quality, from the point of view of a literary critic and the point of view of a children's literature critic, are equal in interest, which does not mean they're equal in our enjoyment of writing about them. <laughs> but yeah, they are necessary to us. Especially as literary critics tend to rehabilitate trash after a few centuries. Uh, the Gothic novel that was completely despised by uh, the literary elite is now explored because it said a lot about the time it was produced in. Okay, I'd like to go back to uh, the definition of uh, trash and quality, because so far we've sort of um, had a very pragmatic view of them, which is trash sells, quality doesn't sell. But that's not true. I mean, the most praised work of children's fiction these past few years is is Philip Pullman's uh, His Dark Materials. No one could contest that this is an incredibly literary piece of work with references to, you know, Milton, extremely well-crafted, very, like, full of metaphors and images that are very challenging for young readers, and yet it's sold extremely well. Well, that's the sort of book that every publisher really wants to publish. Because I think when we talk about trash and quality, I think in regard to children's books, people are worried that if a child reads only these less literary texts, they'll never be able to understand or appreciate the classics when they move on to adult books or there's a fear that they'll somehow fall behind in terms of their reading because these books aren't as challenging or as sophisticated as other things they could be reading. Every publisher would like to publish 
the next Philip Pullman or the next Patrick Ness. But they know that children enjoy a really wide variety of books and that Twilight is enjoyed just as much as Northern Lights and the Amber Spyglass, just maybe in a slightly different way. And this educational dimension in regard to children's literature is probably the most important part of the debate around trashy and quality books for children because that is where the prejudice springs from. Yeah, because children's literature is, of course, all about entertaining whilst educating or being aesthetic at the same time as pedagogical, which is something we don't really get in adult literature. And you talked about children reading a wide range of different things. I think it's a very important point. I don't think adults have such a varied list of books that they read. Uh, Once their taste has sort of solidified, they tend to stick to the same type of genres or the same type of books. But children truly have an open mind about these different types of books. And perhaps that is where the worry springs from, that this is the time where you have to catch them them um, for I mean we're talking about literary snobs there you have to catch them there because they might get to the dark side of the force and and just end up only reading airport literature and once again I mean let's try and be as not snobbish as possible about this like as objective as possible it's not we're, we're not trying to express our own judgment about trash and quality here it's not really the idea but it's the the idea is to talk about why it's so important to have these labels in terms of society and culture. But what did Tom say? Are children aware of the distinction that adults make? What age group does he teach again? Tom teaches year five children, so these are nine and ten-year-olds. I actually asked him that, so I asked him, um, are children aware of what adults think is trash or quality? Because taste is acquired, it's constructed. The canon, what we call the literary canon, is constructed by in the West, perhaps, to um, perpetuate Western values, for example, which very, very often include um, male, white, middle-class values. So it's important to know if children are aware of that early on and they develop their own taste according to that. And uh, what Tom said is that children are aware of what we as adults perceive to be quality and trash. And um, he thinks that they know we have certain rules about when reading books of a certain type is acceptable. For example, a Where's Wally book would not be good during quiet reading time. And they are aware that they should be reading challenging and stimulating material. Yeah, and it upsets me personally that he would say there are rules as to what a child could read because I wanted to read whatever I wanted. I. You know, I wanted to read far more than the Oxford reading tree or whatever it was called when I was four. (laughs) So I did. It's, I think personally that it's a little bit worrying that a lot of adults regard it as their moral duty to only expose children to those types of books. Whereas I think it's not (laughs) because I do think that the problem is we do live in a world where literary taste and literary canon is very, very strongly building a world of expectations around people. And to me, if children are not aware of these expectations, they are not properly armed in society to then produce an image of themselves that is in conformity with that. And it might seem very cynical of me to say that, but the truth is not telling children 
what trash and quality is according to the rules of society is like depriving them of this but don't you think that children would be able to work that out for themselves i'm not saying that these distinctions shouldn't be made clear to the child i just think it's strange to impose rules on what they can and can't read it's not like reading a book of fairy stories is going to damage a seven-year-old girl but if she wants to read those as well as more sophisticated material why shouldn't she be able to why is there a rule you say as well though which means that you're not i just think a child should be able to experience both both and that it should be of their choice yeah i don't think it should be as obviously and overtly dictated by adult tastes whereas i don't think it can ever be detached from adult taste i think by definition it cannot but that's exactly what he says he says at times the old phrase about needing the trash to appreciate the quality comes into play and that's why we do need a bit of both we want children to become independent readers and work out for themselves what they should be reading and when without us always having to dictate the terms Personally, I think it's impossible to be independent. an independent reader. You are never an independent reader. You're a reader who is a product of your class of readers that you feel you belong to. Well, definitely. I went to a talk at the Children's Book Circle and it was um, full of children's librarians. And one of them described their profession as being the guardians of children's books as they decided what would go into the library and therefore what would be available for the children in their school to read. She also used the term gatekeeper to describe her relationship or her role in children's reading. And that really struck home with me because I always thought of myself as a very independent reader. I would go into the school library and pick out whatever I wanted. And I'd completely overlook the fact that those books had been selected for me in the first place. But... I was not an independent reader or not as independent as I thought I was because the books had already been filtered. That seems to be the key problem of education and children's literature, everything that pertains to children, it is filtered from adult values, isn't it? There's never independence when we're talking about children. But let's be concrete there. How can we define trash and quality? What are the ways in which publisher would perhaps categorise or market some books? Well, I think there are already a number of set genres of children's literature that are commercial books, which I think most of them are geared towards women or girls in this case is the only unisex genre of trash that I can really think of is the horror Mm -hmm. but even young adult horror novels generally they're very geared towards women as well so trash would be linked to female taste it seems to be doesn't it there are Mm. also I suppose there's football novels for younger boys but But you don't see as many of them as like I mean there's pink all over the shelves it's quite interesting because one theory about why children's literature is not respected by the academic intelligentsia is that um, it was originally historically a a woman's medium education of children was the task of women and therefore it was seen in itself as a sort of a a trashy medium and when we talk about trash in children's literature it's important to remember that children's literature in itself is not seen as quality or literary although saying that uh, most categories of trashy or commercial literature for children seem to be geared towards 
most girls, it might not be as cynical as Clementine makes it sound, in that, quite simply, girls read more than boys, especially fiction. Non-fiction is a completely different story that does not seem to be dominated Mm. by a female reader. But fiction is overwhelmingly brought by girls. So the dominance of more female books may simply be down to the fact that they buy them. Fair enough. So from a publishing point of view, that makes sense. From an academic point of view, I would reply, isn't that imbalance completely culturally constructed? Just as the literary canon was constructed by male, adult, middle class well, even upper-class academics, thus leaving children's literature to be the realm of women. Isn't there some kind of cultural phenomenon in the fact that young girls are more attracted to books than than boys? So um, it seems that what links all these trashy novels that we've been talking about, and here again, please do not interpret this as some kind of snobbishness because we are using it in very, like, uh, between inverted commas, is that they're formulaic, they're, they follow some kind of a recipe, they present expected motifs and tropes. And if you think about it, children like repetition, and even adults read more commercial fiction because they like that it's formulaic. Detective stories. It's, they're comfortable. A lot of the time, the reason people buy them is because of the comfort of what they yeah. know. This recipe is associated to a certain number of motifs and a certain number as well of values, it seems. Can that be really where the problem of trash is? Is that it normalizes a number of values that could be considered to be not daring enough, not a bit too conservative, lacking in challenge and, and sophistication. For example, I mean, I'm thinking about Prince's books. It's the most obvious example of a formulaic type of novels that will replicate a number of ideals of patriarchy and monarchy and marriage, which, and remember, we're addressing an overwhelmingly feminine audience, uh, can be seen as a bit toxic, yeah. So maybe the problem with trash from this point of view would come from the abundance of such tales compared to the paucity of of more literary works that will leave more space for imagination, more gaps for interpretation of values. I don't think there is a problem with trash as long as it is consumed alongside more quality books. But So you do have a problem with trash? <laughs> I would say I have a problem with... I have a problem when people don't realise that there's other things out there because they would be missing out on a whole world of other things. But in itself, I do not think trash is problematic at all. Tom says that quality and trash work in the same way as needing variety in your diet. And I think that's a very useful expression because, you know, you can be all liberal and say, you know, quality and trash don't exist. They're all labels that we put and they completely constrain our freedom as critics, children's freedom as readers, writers' freedoms as writers, and publishers' freedom as publishers. But the truth is that we do need these labels. And talking about a varied diet is interesting because to get a balanced diet you need a bit of both but also an excess of trashy literature can have an impact on the person's appraisal of literature and I think we shouldn't be afraid of saying this. No definitely not. It is important that a child is exposed to both more commercial fiction because it it also often deals with themes that are more fun and that aren't that don't tend to be covered by more intellectual 
social things. They can reflect the child's interest, provide a safe place for them to be explored. Isn't that part of their seduction enterprise? As literary critics of children's literature, we talk a lot about identification in children's literature. And I feel like what we defined as trashy children's books so far seems to be children's literature that elicit a lot of identification in the reader. And contrary to what one could think, most children's literature critics would say that identification locks out the critical spirit of the child and allows for complete submission to the book. Do you think that would be fair to say that publishers play on the power of these books to trigger identification for commercial purposes? Yes, publishers would want to achieve that, but because a lot of people really, really like that. The most obvious example is Twilight, where the protagonist doesn't really have any defining features. She's very bland and arguably this is to allow the reader to project their own personality into the space so that they feel it is they who are experiencing this whirlwind romance with a bloodthirsty vampire which could i suppose be compared with the curious incident of the dog in the night time which has an autistic narrative voice which most children will never be able to see themselves in the voice is completely other well they're, they're very different approaches and I think most children would enjoy both. But don't you think that for publishers it is an advantage to have a a brand, a character brand that children are going to feel so identified with that they're going to be able to sell products? I think identification can lead to addiction and I think that a lot of what qualifies what we've seen so far as trashy novels is a level of addiction that I can't bring myself to think would be disinterested on the level of the publisher. Well, no, definitely. But what is wrong with a child identifying with a character and wanting to learn more about them and buying the rest of the series? You can view it very cynically as being done purely for financial gain. But children really like that. Children like to return to the same. But I feel like this is particularly strong in commercial fiction. I know you say it's damaging, but I think a lot of the time it is a desire of the child to find themselves in a book. They want to read about other children who are going through the same things they are, that have the same experiences. And it may not open their eyes to a whole new world in the same way that reading The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime would, but it performs a crucial function which is to know that other people have similar Mm. emotions to them. I think reading performs a lot of different functions. That is where trash and quality comes in. They answer very different needs. So far we've talked a lot about trash. We haven't actually talked about quality that much. No, we all tend to get on our high horses about trash. From my point of view, quality would be books that that are going to leave gaps for the reader to imagine something, to experience something new and unexpected to take them out of their comfort zones well if you think about quality books or books we perceive as being particularly literary they tend to on the whole deal with very big themes they all deal with the big questions if you consider the recent winner of the Carnegie Medal Patrick Ness's novels are all about war and what that does to society they use a language that's sophisticated that's demanding they um tackle ideas that are complex and difficult for young people to play with. So quality books, for example, with open endings or or with character personalities that are complex, difficult to understand, sometimes their motivations would be difficult to understand, 
typically the end of Philip Pullman's trilogy, which we're not going to reveal here, is one of the most incomprehensible and complex choices it's in the whole history of children's literature. Can we can we not end. launch on this discussion, please? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, because quality is more sophisticated and more challenging. So I think the books where characters make decisions you don't expect them to or challenge the reader's notion of what they want to happen in the end tend to be of what we would consider a higher quality for this reason they are outside of the usual comfort zone maybe the books that are the the hardest to decode are also the most um also the best the books that resist easy meanings the books that evade the formulaic are more challenging because they are going to have this aspect of well they're closer to real life really they they're closer to the complexity and lack coherence of real life which again ties into what we were saying about the safety that is often there in commercial or trashy books because you know what's going to happen, which is the opposite of someone's actual life where anything could happen at any time. So maybe trash and quality are needed together as part of Tom's balanced diet because (laughs) whilst the quality literature allows the child to explore the world, the trash allows them to retreat back to safety. Again, with everything we've talked about, trash and quality seem to depend on each other in a way from a business perspective, from a literary criticism perspective, from a teaching perspective. They seem to feed into each other. So maybe dismissing trash out of hand is... Undesirable. Absolutely. And I think then the calorie counter would depend on the person's (laughs) needs, really. You have absolute exercise freaks who would consume only extremely difficult literary fiction and read, you know, Ulysses from dawn to dusk and others who will have a diet where they allow themselves this comfort zone and then when they allow themselves to be challenged. Okay, so we have finished our debate for the day and let's wrap it all up with our uh, monthly review. You can find many more reviews on the blog, kidyounotpodcast.com, and today the review will be of John Newman's Mimi. Now, don't ask me to say whether Mimi is trash or quality. It's definitely quality. (laughs) (laughs) Which may be why we've picked it to round off the (laughs) episode. But Mimi is one of the novels that most blew me away, despite how quiet it is. It's about a young girl living in Ireland. She is a little Chinese adopted girl. It follows the aftermath of her mother's death and how the family cope with it. And it's really about the whole family getting back on their feet, not just her. It is one of the most perfect books I've ever read in that its tone is spot on. Its voice is brilliant. It's funny. It's sad. It will make you cry. It's aimed at probably 8 to 11 year olds I'd say. If I had one criticism about the novel it would be that sometimes I thought some of the humour was a little forced. It came across as slightly unnatural although having said that most of it is hilarious and sometimes the main character Mimi is made to be slightly too naive. There's 
instances where you think she really would have understood what has just been said mm. and as the reader you are meant to laugh at her but it's not particularly plausible that she doesn't understand the joke but in conclusion i would say read it it's amazing it's incredible that um, a middle-aged man has got into the head of a 10 year old girl so utterly and completely perfectly it hasn't received much press attention or hasn't you know leaped its way up the bestseller lists because it's so good in this very quiet way but read it Thank you, Lauren. Um, we'll see you next month for an episode on death yeah, <laughs> in children's literature. Very jolly. <laughs> Indeed. We'll try to make it entertaining. And we hope, you en- we hope you enjoyed the episode. And please go to our blog, comment on our posts, tell us what's not working, tell us what's working. Is there anything you'd like us to talk about in a future episode or a book you'd like us to test drive for you? <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. Bye.